Welcome to Never End the Story, a rewatch podcast where we watch the movies of our childhood, along with Tepper, a grown man who's never seen them before. I'm your host, Ivan, a full corn moon. <laughs> uh, I'm Chris, and uh, I've had enough of scheming and messing around with jerks. I'm Connor, and do dogs think in barks? <laughs> and I'm Tepper. Do it. Who thinks in barks? Woof. Woof, woof. Woof, woof. I mean, this was going to be an episode of Nets, but now I'm just enamored with this question. <laughs> <laughs> Do they think in barks? Let's ask one. <laughs> Special guest tonight. I'll get Huey on the podcast. Oh, God, Huey would be so good. He would eat the microphone. Yeah, he, he would. Professional to the end. <laughs> this week we'll be watching Knowing, directed by Alex Proyas, released in 2009. Uh, in the movie, they show an oil rig on fire in the Gulf of Mexico. A little more than a year later, on April 20th, 2010, it became a reality with the BP oil spill in the Gulf. Whoa. Chris and Connor brought this movie to us this week. Why? I saw this shit in theaters. I think it was my birthday. I do not regret it. It was great. There, there are <laughs> images from this movie I remember to this day. This is peak Nicolas Cage being a wackadoo, and I love him. Uh, I spent a long period of my life binge-watching Nicolas Cage movies, and you better believe this movie was on it, and I had a great fucking time. Let's go, fam. <laughs> He's good. Yeah. He's he's weird because he's both good and, like, so bad that he's good. Yes. Like, there are movies where he has a commanding and amazing performance. There yep. are movies where he's just functionally, like, a good action hero star. Um, there are movies then also where he is, I don't know what he's doing. I have no, like, Season of the Witch and... Um, wicker man he's pretty crazy. yes thank you thank you <laughs> thank you i was gonna say why was it burned yeah or I, I was thinking of like the scene where he comes out of the forest in the bear costume and just punches clocks a woman in the face <laughs> yeah like... well that but that's writing it's like even all of his acting choice all the way he chooses to the way he chooses to make his face look oh, a lot yeah, of the time yeah. is like... how to get burned how to get burned how to get burned it's not a choice <laughs> it's a way of life uh, I'm pretty sure I also saw this movie in theaters, but definitely forgot that this was that movie, and I'm actually not, still not 100% sure it was this movie. <laughs> um, so, and yeah, I super don't remember, if it's the movie I vaguely remember, I only really remember the not Nicolas Cage's parts, which is why I'm not confident enough to be a bringer. Hmm. Uh, I read the plot synopsis for this movie like four or five years ago. I only really remember the premise. I have basically forgotten everything else about it. We're now showing Tepper the poster for the movie. Please describe Ooh, boy. it. Tell us what you think it's about and also what you n know it to be about. I love the big Nicolas Cage at the top. That's all that matters. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so, poster at the top. Big white letters. Nicholas Cage. 
and then it's a uh, picture of planet Earth, but the bottom of planet Earth is like exploding in fire, and there's uh, numbers uh, uh, kind of falling out of the um, burning section. And then below that, like, and then like behind the Earth and like all around it is just pure darkness. And then at the bottom of the poster, it says knowing, but the like O is uh, like the, the the Earth. It's it's pretty cool. Um, and then I'm just reading the uh, what happens when the numbers run out is the uh, text below that. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a pretty simple but like effective poster. I'm 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 pretty digging the design on this one. I have I am it's it's emerging to me that there is a math subplot yeah, going on in this. Yeah, that's why I, I love this. Oh, yeah. okay. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> I I definitely did as well. But and like I mean I forgot about basically everything except the end scene. But um, you know what? Always, always bet on Cage. I'm gonna join the uh, bringers of this. <laughs> Stake my claim now. There's no such thing as a bad Cage movie. So um, we have two people who are in math-related fields. What what does happen when the numbers run out? Uh, overflow. <laughs> it's where the number becomes so big that it flips over to a very large negative number. True. Damn. Uh, in this movie, if I remember the premise correctly, it's there's like written down somewhere a whole bunch of like numbers and dates and stuff predicting future disasters. Oh, and oh, it's all coming back. And Cage <laughs> starts like making that connection. And I think at some point, yeah, like he he reaches the end of the list and it's like, OK, like what? what happens next i try to remember but i think this movie ends on like no the world is fucked but i uh i can't remember exactly um so yeah basically the world is fucked thanks numbers mathematicians this is why we should have burned you all at the stake what's getting torched in the poster here is that just that's like south america gone basically no number one with a bullet um, right there yeah. 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 Okay. Some parts of Africa, probably. Yeah, you can Can't see quite. Africa just on the very right-hand side. It's getting a little fucked. I mean, Africa's always the first one to go in these kinds of movies. Get fireworked into numbers. And Australia's usually the last to go. In risk. Yeah. <laughs> if, if only because it's a good setting to have your apocalypse. Or at least a good wasteland to say it used to be New York. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to film <laughs> it as a wasteland. I was going to say at this rate, the forest fires are going to get Australia before anybody else does. I mean, yeah, you can see it in the numbers right there. Look at all those forest yeah. fires. Um, I don't remember this, but Tepper, do you know what Nicolas Cage's um, ostensible profession is in this? Oh, it's like Nicholas Kate, probably a numberologist or some bullshit like that. <laughs> no, knowing, knowing what kind of movie this is. Knowing what kind of movie uh, this is. Uh, uh, 
<laughs> I didn't even mean to do that. I definitely forgot, but I read one sentence of a synopsis, so I've been reacquainted. Yeah, I've but written yeah. down numberologist. Yeah, I just like it's like when uh, uh, it reminds me of um, the Dan Brown Da Vinci Code, where he's like a symbologist or whatever fucking yeah. thing they did for him. And I'm just imagining this movie like ripping that off and going like, yeah, he's a numberologist or some shit like that. But yeah, he's probably like a mathematician. Maybe. Uh, I can see this movie also potentially having an ecological bent, but you know what? I'm going to go with numberologist. It's too good. It's a very good word. Yeah. It's got powerful energy to it. It's very Nicolas Cage energy. So, uh, I'm all in on that. Put that on your next resume. No, not numerology. Numberology. Numberology. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Both yeah. both of you should put that on your business card and resume. Yes. <laughs> I'll, uh, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> it's going on the LinkedIn. Professional numberologist. <laughs> it's like a great fake job. What do you do for a living? I'm a numberologist. You mean numerologist? Numberologist. No. <laughs> I deal with numbers, not numers. <laughs> what are you, an idiot? <laughs> Don't know what numbers are? <laughs> oh. Numbers. All right. We'll see you after the film. We're both wrong. The numbers are a warning, but not just to me or any random group. They're a warning to everyone. And we're back. So, what did everyone think? It was fine. Yeah, it was it, it was fun in places, it was dumb in places, it was like predictable in places. Yeah. Yeah, basically. I had a great time, I don't fucking care. Yeah, you you there were certain deaths and disaster scenes where you could not stop laughing. For example, <laughs> the POV train smashing into people. Yeah, that killed me inside. Like, just... <laughs> um, so the 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 two images that are like branded in my brain that I remembered from this movie are the fire moose, um, and the like w- w- tree of whatever that was at the end. I didn't even it's remember Majora. the tree. I just remembered uh, Adam and Eve. Didn't even remember that there was more kids. Yeah, I totally uh, I, forgot about I the whole alien subplot when I read no the No idea how we would describe this movie to listeners who had not watched it. Um, the, the world the, is ending. We go to Majora. The, the, the aliens picture, but it's Angelians. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out, Christ myth is just aliens. But still making it the correct religion. Yeah, oh man. Um, fuck. <laughs> just thinking about this movie. Uh, why Why did the Angelians choose uh, Lorraine to hear voices? She was never going to survive, they knew that. Why, why was she worthy? Why waste all that time? I think they gave it to a bunch of people. But why? I think they were just like constantly choosing people. They knew they were only going to take kids. Why Why do it 50 years early? 
I feel like they've probably been doing it forever. But, like, they know the timeline. So? <laughs> so they're assholes. Well, like, do why not do something effective, I think, is the Yeah, question. like, they basically, like, ruined a girl's life by no. making her schizophrenic, no. essentially. No, Tepper, Tepper. And what she... Connor is saying is that they ruined many girls' lives. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. <laughs> You are correct. And it was like, and for what? Because in the end, the numbers she wrote down didn't actually have any plot significance because they were just going to show up and take the kids that they wanted anyway. They let Nicolas Cage say goodbye to his son. Yeah, by torturing a girl from the 50s. Oh my god. (laughs) Like, not the aliens I would want to trust with humanity's future. I mean... Like, we're all fucked anyways. It's either zero chance or that chance. Yeah. The chance of, like, two dozen already decided pairs of ten-year-olds plus a couple rabbits and their and their CG alien wheat. Do you think... Do you think they all got rabbits? Or do you think they got, like, different animals? Oh, and then it's just a replay of Noah's Ark. Yeah, exactly. Two, two of every animal. I just want to scream... Do they all get trees? Uh, I think they all have to share the same tree. And then presumably there's a snake in there that's going to kill, uh, is going to seduce all of the ladies. Also, boys, give up your ribs, please. Uh, oh, man. So this movie, for, okay, first, it's two hours long. That was, it wasn't that bad for two hours. I definitely at 90 minutes was like, this could end now. That that's more so what I mean is like the last half hour I was pretty fucking bored with the movie. Well, there's also like, it was just like, it's just like there's going to be three ma- uh, major accidents, major being like eighty and one hundred and eighty people, um, and then it's just like nothing. It's just like you could like you could have thrown in one more like big scene, get us through that that uh, like last that last half hour before the end scene. Yeah, the last, like, so before the end scene, everything before the end scene in that last half hour felt dramatic or like, like, why did she drive away? Like, why couldn't she give him five minutes to check the door? Like, why? It was. (sighs) She got hit by the truck and died. And it's like, oh, it's just like your mom said. I don't know. I just. It was so dramatic. The. Violins just wouldn't stop. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, the solar radiation is effect is affecting the violins. Yeah, I was gonna say like like I guess we're skipping to the end in some of our analysis for this, but like in those like final scene when the violin is just playing as like chaos is happening in the streets and stuff, I was like, this music choice. Uh, I don't know about this one. I mean, it was the <laughs> same violin that was playing when he was heating Are up a about door. The yeah. classical, you mean? The like the when he's driving in his Ford truck in the city after Fine his... Ford for disaster proof Ford. Yeah. yeah, I'm fairly certain that's. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Is, is that Adagio and G, or is that am I an idiot? And is that Beethoven? I don't know. I was like, I think that's half, Beethoven, dude. Half clocked out there at the end. I think that is Beethoven. And if you're saying Beethoven sucks, I'm. Like fucking hot. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm behind you because I like hot takes. 
Uh, Beethoven Symphony Number no. Seven in A Major is a credited soundtrack. That would be the one. Okay, don't put words in my mouth. Beethoven's rad, but like the music choice for the scene was like oh. that's such a common choice, like super yeah. dramatic classical mu- music over like rioting and looting. That is so common. I didn't find it dramatic enough. All right, Beethoven, you heard you heard Tepper. Turn up the drama. <laughs> um. So, uh, Tepper. Yeah. He is an astrophysicist. Okay. And teacher. I, yeah, I don't, uh, numberologist, mm, a little, mathematician, mm, arguable. I just remember that, like, from the plot, he gets really into the whole number thing, so I was like, uh, numberologist, uh, but yeah, it, it really doesn't matter. Uh, first half of this movie was pretty good. The second half of this movie, a little less so. The ending was cool and how absolutely absurd it was. I mean, it was... It's very... Like, I really appreciate it compared to War of the Worlds. Like, just kill the family. Yeah, I appreciate the balls in that. Oh, that it killed a bunch of people. Yeah, well, and like... like it's very similar to War of the Worlds where he, like, gets to Boston and then his parents are there and also his wife and, like, literally no one is dead and his son. Whereas it's just like, yeah, he gets here, finds his family, and it's just like, it's, and they they have their their religious moment and then get uh, immolated. Well, after, like, Prophecy Daughter gets smushed, even. Yeah. Prophecy Daughter gets smushed, what? Who's prophecy the prophecy daughter. daughter got hit by a truck. The daughter of the prophecy lady. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why they killed her in that truck and didn't just have her live until that moment. Because she, but... she was fighting against it. He had gotten to, gone to accept it, which, is this, which isn't really true, but... Yeah. Mm. Yeah, the, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of the second half of this movie. Well, I wouldn't even say I'm not a huge fan. I just found it, like, kind of boring. Well, it hmm, turns out the first half of the movie where, like, a, uh, a sad because his wife died single father astrophysicist is finding out this code from a time capsule in the 50s that predicts disasters. That's a cool movie. Yeah. The second half of this is um, the final prophecy is the world is going to end and we know for sure the world is going to end, but there's 30 minutes left in this movie. Yeah. You, actually, you, you basically nailed a lot of my issues with the second half of this movie. Like right I there. I think if they shuffled it around a little, it could have been really cool. You know? Like yeah. if, 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 if the finding out of the world all destroyed... Even even if the audience has figured it out like long before that point, put that at the very end, man. Yeah, like it, yeah, it just uh, yeah. There there's some some things in the second half of the movie that just felt like padding. Uh, where like kind of fates are decided already. Like every, like kind of the audience knows like yeah, that's gonna happen. This is gonna happen. Like people ain't living this. Uh, and the second half kind of renders the first half uh pointless because like okay if cage didn't find out about the numbers if say his kid was given a different envelope basically nothing in this movie would change like the world still ends his kids still get kidnapped by the aliens he still dies the whole idea of the movie is that like it's 
it is all predetermined, though. So, like, the kid was going to get the envelope no matter what. The Angelians willed it, so... <laughs> I don't know if they willed it so much as they just knew it was going to happen. Yeah, like, fair. they already knew how to predict it, not necessarily how to stop it. That's kinda lame. But, like, that was the whole point of, like, his speech at the beginning with his students, was the difference between, like, randomness and predetermined things. Yeah. And we don't know which one is which, and he was just hung up on it. Everything was random because he was sad widow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys remember when he hit that tree with a bat? <laughs> <laughs> yes! Yes! Oh, <laughs> uh, hey, remember when that guy opened up his mouth and <laughs> just fucking high-beamed Cage? <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing that scene. This movie was filmed in three months. The, oh, is that particularly long or short? That seems normal. Uh, it was half the time that the same director took to film iRobot. Thanks to digital technology. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I find, like, just the whole, like, determinism thing, and a lot of, I, I'm just like, oh, that's fucking lame. There, a lot of those kind of tropes that came in as the explanation for the big action things were kind of, like, played out. Yeah. Is is how I, f at, at, at the point that this movie was made, being like, what if aliens were angels, though? Yeah, and, it's like, oh, I'm sure nobody's ever thought of that one before. You're very um, original, knowing. I mean, CME is dope. That's the thing that there should be more disaster movies of, because that's real. What is that, sorry? A coronal mass ejection. Like, the, basically the sun having a burp and it, like, frying all electronics at mm. least. Wasn't there a TV show made about, like, electronics got fucked, so everybody was sent back to, like, the medieval age? The Flintstones. No. Yeah. The documentary, The Flintstones. <laughs> I know there was some show that I think, like, ran for a season or two where, like, basically, like, EMP or something happened and all electronics in the world got fried. It's what the Assassin's Creed games are about, initially. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but basically, as more and more, like, standard disaster tropes get introduced to this movie, it gets less and less interesting. The first half, as Chris perfectly uh, described, was really good. Just, like, the mystery of the numbers and figuring out the disasters and, like, investigating the girl and everything. Like, that was cool. Uh, the actual disasters themselves were, like, nice spectacles. POV were a train that is derailing. Um, <laughs> how many people can you kill? <laughs> this is what you get for stealing video games. Yeah. That man, that man, that man would have survived potentially if if uh, Cage hadn't chased him onto that train. Yo, you're right. Rip. Although in exchange, Cage did save that girl and uh, that pregnant woman. So, this does mean that like all of our death numbers for all the big disasters are like dead on. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah. You, what do you mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, like, uh, so, so like whenever the numbers or yeah, whenever the news reported a number of deaths, always correct. I half expected the movie to go like reported number was like, I don't know, like 80. And then like the day after when Cage is like, oh, great. Like, I don't have to worry about it. They go like another body was found making the total body count like 81. And he is just like, oh. it does a lot of things like that, but it does not do that. Yeah, that was one I expected. 
I mean, maybe her power was actually just, it wasn't predicting exact death counts. It was just predicting news headlines. The news. Oh, that's good too. But also latitude and longitude. GPS coordinates. Yeah. Fire moose. Um, yeah. So the spectacle of the disasters was cool. Come with the whisper man. We promise to show you flaming moose. Yeah. Yo, that vision. That was metal as fuck. But also like great way to get a kid on your side. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're nice too. Cure have a rock in these trying times. Yeah. So many fucking rocks. When when that scene where he wandered out to a stranger's car, I was just like staring daggers at Connor. <laughs> that entire time he gave him a rock he's a good guy yeah i was like this seems like what you would do yeah it's interesting because like the first half was like here's kind of like a horror thing with like a mystery thing that you know kind of like people are expecting to turn into a disaster thing later and i was like i wasn't sure how well those two things would merge but they were like pretty good and it was actually the disaster things that kind of sucked for this movie. Mostly, like, the stuff in the second half, as I was saying. Well, like, it was a really strong start, and it's a really cool idea, but how the fuck do you actually end this movie in a good way? Yeah, good writer. Like, no, but, like, you can't... You have to solve the mysteries. That's the point of a mystery. Uh, and ha- have a better answer to the mystery, basically. Like, like I know that sounds lame and, and, and dumb, like, as an explanation, but, like... I don't know, I I found the answers in this to be extremely unsatisfying. Being angels? Angel aliens. Oh, and also, like, the number... say the words, you coward. And then also, (laughs) in the end, like, everything Cage does means nothing. Like, like, again, that just pisses me off. He told you that was going to happen right at the beginning. Um... Something I really like about this, like watching it a second time, is and knowing what's going to happen at the end, they're slowly ratcheting up the, um, like changing the quality of the sunlight in all of the scenes. Mm. Oh. And also, like, a lot of the final disasters are, like, were caused by, you know, yeah. the CME, which they play kind of fast and loose with, but. Yeah, um, it's it's actually pretty well put up and yeah like because we hear about that very early on yeah. yeah i was gonna say as soon as they mentioned solar flares on the uh, tv i was like oh okay i know what the final disaster yeah. is in this movie but it's like normal and blue and stuff at the start but by the time you get to the end everything is like orange it's like sepia tone because the yeah. sun is cooking you i guess mm-hmm. yeah that was actually done quite well oh there was a great piece of trivia here um that Nicolas Cage's character, John, never sleeps in his own bed. Yeah, never one sleeps in his own bed throughout the movie. Huh. Couches, son's bed, staying up all night, lots of rum. Yeah. Didn't even finish the sandwich, but he went through that uh, that bottle. Uh, does Nick, Nick Cage have it in his contract that, like, every movie he's in, he's got to have, like, some weird stalkerish scene with a woman? I I assume that's just when he's told to act casual with a woman. <laughs> oh, it's just like, you know, yeah. uh, next national treasure, like this one, like he's following or like learning a lot in a stalkerish way about, yeah, a woman. It's like fine. Like, like it works within the movie. It was just like a trend I noticed. Yeah. And like he, 
he's upfront about it ra- rather quick. Yeah. And she responds quite reasonably. Yes. And then shows up at his house later. Yeah, stalks him back. After the number he says comes true. Yeah. Yeah, it's not even real. It's not even a romance, really. No, no. There, there definitely are. Spo- you're supposed to think that there's supposed to be a romance, but there isn't really enough anything going on, and they're both very like hurt people. Yeah, I, f- I feel like if the timeline was longer, they would have a romance. But it was definitely like they're like, "Hey, you're single. Uh, like you're a single parent. I'm a single parent. Man, life sure is rough. World ends it? in two days. Yeah." Also, you, like, die in a car crash. Um, sorry, what was the kid writing down? There's a scene where the kid is writing down a whole page of numbers. Yeah. And Nicolas Cage, who has, like, coveted the other page of numbers, like, religiously, uh, flips out. Yeah, he, like, throws it it away. Presumably it's the same numbers. Okay, okay. Presumably. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's the numbers for the next, for the next planet. Yeah, this, this movie had some neat ideas. Like, I like the, like, reveal of what the initials meant. Like, EE standing for, like, everyone else. Like, that, that was kind of (sighs) neat. Yeah, there, there's so, like, there's a bunch of neat stuff. The first half of this movie, I would say, is, like, very good and interesting. Second half of this movie is only interesting in the sense that it's, like, schlocky fun. Of like, oh yeah, angel aliens come down and take your kid and drop your kid on another planet. Also, they're like Adam and Eve. Do you see the biblical references yet? Uh, you just don't like smooth black stones. Fine. <laughs> man, we're just like, man, that's a nice fucking rock, man. You ever just like lure a kid over to your car and go on black rock? No, you just stare at them blankly with your all black eyes. <laughs> and then the whispers make them come to you. Yes. <laughs> there was a whole spate of um, angels are people that look like Tilda Swinton and sometimes Tilda Swinton around this time. Uh, Constantine. Well, yeah, but also um, that one where you're in a gas station and the angels uh, are trying to kill you. Oh, man, what is that one called? Legion. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, Hell yeah. Legion, I haven't watched all the way through, but the stuff I have seen of it is fucking rad. It's a very special place in my heart for that terrible film. (laughs) It's got some, like, kind of cool stuff in it. Uh, So I want to, you were saying this is the exact same movie as Next before we watched it. I want you to defend that position, Chris. Hmm? Um, I think what I remembered is Nicolas Cage has powers, and I think also I thought next was the number 23, but I uh, realize now the number 23 has Jim Carrey in it somehow and not Nicolas Cage. Correct. Yeah, what I was saying, because that's the horror one where he gets obsessed with the number, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. It's in everything. Yeah, I kind of like... Also, when I was saying, like, numberologist, I was sort of thinking of that movie, too. Of, like, he gets obsessed with numbers, but... Yeah, like, it's the same movie. I'm like, it definitely isn't, but I'm curious where you're going. Nicolas Cage has powers, (laughs) which he doesn't have in this movie. Yeah, Nicolas Cage and at least one explosion. He has the power of number. Man, he spilled so much rum, and then he dropped his glass. It's like, 
Just put it down. Also, you know what's a st- okay? So a stupid, annoying trope that I wish would die. Uh, a person walks into a hurry into like a place, and other people are trying to talk with them, and they just ignore them. Like I think it gets used like three or four times in this movie, and every single time it's stupid. It's like just turn around and acknowledge your friend. Say like, "Hey, I need to go look at my computer. Come with me." Like, instead of just ignoring him while he's, like, trailing behind you going, like, hey, man, like, you all right? I'm concerned about your well-being. You doing okay, bro? And you just, like, do, like, a stern walk. Look, man, uh, he's got the source code for the game. He knows that that any uh, so- social roles right now aren't going to benefit him in the long run of this game. <laughs> he's speedrunning. No point getting stuck in a dialogue tree. Um... Manic prophetic crafting. Yes. Yes. Like woodworking. <laughs> it's just like frantically heat gutting and <laughs> scraping this door. Look, oh man, even probably even better is just like um antique restoration. <laughs> just, just, oh. We'll restore this item to its original prophetic state. <laughs> and uh yeah and for the youtube video you'd have to put like beethoven over it yeah yeah just as and you're just like very frantically plays. and yeah. yeah um i had like maybe a quarter of a thought during this that a lot of these uh like number 23 and um uh knowing and maybe i just don't know enough about literature but this is like kind of a like an hp lovecraft or a, or an maybe even an edgar Allan poe type of horror right like single man descends into madness uh uh the scope is too big for lovecraft or poe 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 and lovecraft much preferred like three-ish characters maximum like a dozen yeah hell yeah and and it tended to be like very solitary experiences for those characters in this one it's like everybody dies which puts it into the like disaster movie thing the first half of the movie though I would say fits within like kind of like a Poe type style. Old old creaky house, bunch of numbers, dude gets obsessed. Oh, that's what I wanted to talk about. Fucking dude, Connor. Hmm? That house. That's a good house. Isn't that fucking crazy mansion he lived in with his son? Like holy yeah. shit. Well I explicitly stated I like doors that cause tall people to have to duck to go through them. So do I. And it comes with comes with its own fire moose. There was some viewing window. There was way too many animals directly next to their house. Like I get that they are surrounded by a lot of trees, but they still pretty downtown. All the animals live at their house. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> oh man, this dumb little piece of trivia that uh Lucinda Embry is an anagram of badly numeric. That c- cool. That's fucking yep. stupid. <laughs> Like, that's awful trivia. Trivia! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is like when, like, Connor, you're mad about something from Morgan, and you're like, fun fact, this is bullshit. It's like, that wasn't... <laughs> oh, you... <laughs> like, you, you say fun fact before, like, whatever is ruining your day. It's not fun. Uh, Ford. Did we talk about fine Ford vehicles? This oh, movie is very bit. obviously sponsored by Ford. Also, that battery life. Fuck, that's amazing. 
Oh yeah, you leave it. You leave your doors open. You go have a prophetic vision of your child leaving. You wake up to have your last day together, and there's still enough battery in that fort to go and spend the final moments of the earth with your uh, evangelical family, who you haven't talked to in years and probably don't still like. I mean, he called his dad. Yeah, but like, and chills with his sister. Mm-hmm. His tradcore sister. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just go like two days does not fix like a multi-year feud slash. Yeah, but the rift. world's going to end. Exactly. Really, the feud, this is as fixed as it's going to fucking he's, get. He, like I said, he's speed running. He doesn't have time for all those social roles. <laughs> he, he better hope that you guys were wrong and they are not Catholic because they do not go for that. Like, OK, I feel I, I, I feel sorry. Is that enough? <laughs> Oh, it was a nice house for a preacher to have. This is why I'm saying I think he's one of these, like, um, uh, like, give me money preachers. Oh, like, uh, televangelists? <laughs> even, yeah, yeah. He's not gaudy enough. <laughs> True. They're sense like, of, they're sense like of televangelists? Have you seen the houses that televangelists live in? They have uh, private yeah. planes. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he doesn't keep it at his house. They he have helicopter his, pads. He keeps it at his other house. Also, they have no sense of style. Facts. Yeah, I mean, this is an old man, though. No, I'm saying, like, televangelists cannot dress to, like, save their lives. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I'm saying this old man is gonna is gonna bring style into the televangelist world. <laughs> televangelists just look like Don Cherry all the time. <laughs> Don, Don Cherry oh, is man. just a hockey God. televangelist. <laughs> Non-Canadians, <laughs> I wish you could understand how perfect that analogy is. <laughs> yeah, that like, that's that's oof. I, that is the energy of the televangelist. Is the Don Cherry? I guess that's a Canadian televangelist. Hockey is Canada's religion, and religion is Canada's hockey. Hmm, I don't think that one works. <laughs> Canada is religion. Hockey, no. <laughs> Hockey is religion's Canada. But um, perfect date night, though. Like, very frantically scrawling numbers on a whiteboard and, like, circling oh, yeah. them while going frantically back and forth between, like, the whiteboard and your PC looking up dates. Also drinking rum. Perfect date night. Yeah, perfect date night. Can we create this Tumblr subculture? <laughs> Conspiracy core. <laughs> it's like you're going to need checking, red actually. string. You're going to need... <laughs> conspiracy core lo-fi beats with uh, samples from alex jones and other conspiracy theorists inserted no not alex more like um kennedy assassination conspiracy theory. yeah like yeah. we're going like uh, more uh, old school yeah no no like, this just, is off the top of my head territory. i thought of alex jones but any conspiracy theorist would worry there are only two posts tagged conspiracy core <laughs> <laughs> we could make dollars we could make internet points. Yeah, I don't think you can monetize Tumblr in any no. way. No. No, no. Maybe, like, sell merch. You can sell merch. You can sell, like, you can promote, like, SoundCloud and shit. Use that to promote our podcast. Ooh, Ooh I know what we do. We buy a shit ton of red string. And then we start Cottagecore. And then we just sell red string. Or sorry, not cut what I said, cottagecore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, cottagecore. 
That is an actual core. You you rent cottages, but then when they get there, it's just full of red string. Yeah, you rent, co- you buy cottages, you fill them with conspiracy shit, you abandon them. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, now I'm way more in. <laughs> and, and then, like, the people who come in have to figure out what the conspiracy of that cottage is? Yes. Like, like who, who, who was previously there? What conspiracy did they believe? Or a, a very convoluted escape room. <laughs> yes. It's more like a find the room than an escape room. <laughs> Can we make a reverse escape room? <laughs> a get in room? <laughs> Just be an advanced form of, like, geocaching. <laughs> I geocached an entire cabin. <laughs> Find the room, bro. <laughs> Connor, you were saying cottage core is a thing. What is cottage core? Uh, it's kind of like trad core, but um, it's just about basically getting away and being in the cottage and that sort of aesthetic. So, like being out in like woodsy areas, kind of isolated, um, like small homey spaces. It's literally just a Tumblr aesthetic. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, isn't that just going to the cottage? It's like Martha Stewart meets a Roots commercial meets like a hipster's like Polaroids, you know? Oh, boy. Uh, so a bunch of like cores on Tumblr are literally just like different aesthetics that people either aspire to or like legitimately follow. Uh, clearly it's to. the kids that are wrong. What's a core? I aspire to uh, be cottagecore. Like I, I don't know. That just seems so weird to me. Like, well, it's like I they aspire to like decorate their house to be cottagecore to like make it feel like it's a cottage no matter where it is. Okay. Well, this all comes from it. Like that just means like aesthetic, really. Like yeah. it's like yeah. it's like punk in steampunk. It just means steam shit. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like like the core probably comes from what? Like hardcore, I would assume. It, I, like, I don't know where it actually music? comes from, but it's in a lot of, like, Tumblr cultures, like, Crowcore, Goblincore, Dragoncore. What the fuck are Dragoncore? Dragoncore is hoarding valuable yeah, things. Goblincore like is about moss shit. being dirty uh, <laughs> and collecting, like, rocks. Is and <laughs> Crowcore is about collecting shiny things, regardless oh. of their value. Is there? This is what our podcast is about now. Is Connor, <laughs> please tell us about 20 more of these. Yeah. Is there raccoon core? Uh, there... There was like the the feral the the like rabies fetish group. Uh, 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 not what I, I was just thinking. Like, if there was raccoon core, it'd probably be you. Um, I think there is a raccoon core. It's pretty much just like We're it's very similar to like goblin core. Yeah, it makes sense. But man, those ra- reminded me of those rabies people. It's just like, oh fuck, right? Those people exist. It's like the uh, people who want to get AIDS. It's just like, what the fuck's wrong with you, man? Go get help. the statement, Goblin Core is all about moss. (laughs) It's a lot about moss, honestly. (laughs) Fuck. They talk a lot about how they want to put their feet on moss. (laughs) (sighs) Why is that a goblin thing? You know, sometimes, like, it's like Tumblr is free. Like, these people exist. They're out there. You share, you breathe the same air as them. You live like, on the same planet as them. 
I don't even have a Tumblr account. To me, Tumblr is uh, basically the exact same website as Pinterest, but I do have fun going through some of these, like, like hashtags. Oh, yeah, I bet, I bet, I bet it is fun. Like, exa- oh, exaggerations oh. aside, like, as long as you're not hurting anybody, I don't care. Can- can you can you tell us can you tell us the the story about the Goblin Corps getting in trouble for being anti-Semitic? Because that was really funny. oh my god. So Goblin Corps, sweet, just sweet kids. They're just like I I want to like collect rocks. I want to eat dirt. I want to step on moss. Like that's that's their jam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they draw themselves. They have like goblin sonas that they draw themselves as, which like yeah, it's cute. Uh, yeah. And then suddenly people show up and they're like, goblins are. Uh, Jewish, uh, like, fan- like they were created as this, like, to make fun of Jewish people. You all are being anti-Semitic, and you need to stop. And like, all these Goblin Corps kids are like, I just, I just wanted to, to step on moss. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, if you draw your Goblin with a big nose, unless you have a big nose, that's anti-Semitic. If you draw them <laughs> dirty, or if you draw them greedy, that's all anti-Semitic. <laughs> I hate the internet. God. Yeah, the the internet, like, there's always these people who go around and they just want to pick fights with other people. Like they want to they want to tell they you They don't want people to enjoy things. Well, yeah, like they want to go into spaces and tell the people who are like hanging out having fun that they're having fun the wrong way and to stop. When it's like, well, but it's, you could just like it's just like fuck off and leave those people alone. Let them step on moss. Yeah, it was especially egregious when it's like your goblin is too dirty, and that means that it's anti-Semitic. Yeah, or, <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, okay, gatekeeper of <laughs> goblin core. <laughs> these, what, what, oh, like, what possible harm could these people be fucking doing? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Just the whole idea of it, it's like, fuck. Oh. I'm so glad Tumblr exists. I wish there was still porn on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here, here. <laughs> Back on topic, Tepper's Tops? Nicholas Cage Core. <laughs> I'll check if Nicholas Cage Core is a thing. I was going <laughs> to say a sheet, a sheet full of numbers, but it's uh, the dates that people will get canceled. But yeah, off to Tepper Stops. I don't think there's much all... Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to say about it's not. knowing. Um, yeah, it, it was like a final movie. The spectacle bits were spectacle enough. The final destruction scene at the end was pretty good. The first half was like pretty damn good. The second half sucked. There you go. That's my thoughts on it. Yeah, that solid destruction CGI for 2009. Yeah, I was gonna complain about the about the effects, but you know what? It's like fifteen years ago. You did fine. Yeah, like the pl- the the plane, not amazing. The train, pretty good. Yeah, train pretty good. Fire moves pretty good. Fireball quite good. Even the spaceships look pretty cool. Yeah. What were the bunnies for? <laughs> Are they gonna eat the bunny? No. Uh, the bunnies are for demonstration. I was just about to say that. <laughs> All right, kids. Like nice. I said, 
watch these bunnies and just do what they do. Are they gonna give them a book or like a this is how to build a house or something? Like what the no. fuck? I mean he's a smart he's a smart kid. He knows some numbers about the universe. He likes extinct animals. Adam and yeah. Eve didn't get a booklet, so neither do they. This way he'll know that rabbits are an extinct animal and will like them later. When he's when he successfully kills them for food. But yeah, Tepper's Tops, uh Oh man, I'm not actually sure where I want to put this movie. Number one. I think. I think put this one in the number 34 slot. Alright. 34. Right below Aeon Flux, knocking out the Swan Princess. Okay, kind of in the middle of the pack. 34 to what? 57? 56? Yeah. 57. 57. Yeah. It was just like, like, it'd be higher if, like, if we just stopped watching after the first half, it would definitely be way higher <laughs> on this list. I just find the second half is just a uh, snooze fest. And the whole, like, thing with the aliens is kind of fucking dumb. And then, like, also the whole thing with, like, determinism and shit, I'm like, no. No. That get... was a that was a point six drop to my ranking, but I'll take it. Like I said, <laughs> always bet on the cage. Like it was, it was still like a fine enough movie. I just like like a lot of the times when I look at it, I go like, yeah, I'd watch AM Flux before I watch this movie again. I watch Eight Legged Freaks, you know, Independence Day, Chipmunk Adventure, just for Claudia and Klaus. Fuck, I'll watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> just Claudia and Klaus carries that movie so so much. I love them. Just a bunch of fucking cokeheads. <laughs> Trying to smuggle Speaking diamonds. Speaking of Claudia and Klaus, <laughs> who's the is the son? Is that who do you have written down here for? Uh, for the villain, numbers, God, Son, Angelian. <laughs> what? Nice. Some options. <laughs> pick, pick, pick your own villain in this movie. Oh, the villain for this. Uh. Yeah, I've got Numbers, God, Sun, Angelians. Determinism. Also, also Determinism. Uh, so Determinism. Uh, this ranking will probably change. Put it in the number 55 slot. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> Oh no, my no, my perfect villain ranking. What have you done? Determinism is a shitty villain. Fuck determinism. Oh no. Then why didn't you choose the sun, you fool? <laughs> the sun is part of the determinism. Nah, uh, the determinism's part of the sun. Uh I might like put it up a couple slots like later. Right now I'm just kinda like upset at the second half of that movie. <laughs> It's worse than the general from the core. Yeah. Above CGI monsters from Atlantic Rim. <laughs> mm, should they should I don't know, CGI monsters were kind of more compelling than determinism. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> nah, I'll leave it there for now. Like I said, I'll probably uh, I might bump it up a few like next time, but for right now I'm like I said, kind of, kind of pissed off the second half of that movie. It ruined what was otherwise really something potentially really cool. 
And then for business dads, we got Nick Cage. As the numberologist business dad. Yeah, he was very business. But for his son, sort of. That's what all the rum was for. I think he was a perfectly balanced business and dad until determinism. Yes, yeah. Like, like overall, like, he wasn't terrible. Like, he was still very business, but he was also, at the same time, very dad. Yeah. Yeah, I would have taken out the, uh, I'm sad because wife dead subplot entirely yeah actually i would just gut that did nothing for this movie just gut it completely and then you got 20 extra minutes to either cut out or to like you know yeah put in was one of the things that we said we wanted but he needed that locket that said something that he gave to his son for you could have given anything to the son <laughs> yeah like he could have been he could have given could have him been him a that smooth baseball rock. bat a smooth rock that's what oh, i want man. It would have been, oh man, though, imagine, send him with the bat or the gun. <laughs> Listen, if any of those other kids try to take your girl. It's time to make a new world, kid. <laughs> um, I want to clarify, Connor, you want rocks of all shapes, sizes, and uh, roughnesses. Yeah. You just kind of want rocks. Yeah. <laughs> and teeth. Do you like more rocks or teeth? Teeth. If you had as many teeth as you had rocks, would you still want teeth, or is it like a balancing act? I think I like teeth more because teeth are rarer. Mm, that makes sense. Like, it is much more expensive to get teeth most of the yeah. time than it is to get rock. You you want to, like, Scrooge McDuck swim in a big vat of teeth. Yes. Yeah. I get it. Uh, so I think put uh, put our business dad at the 24 slot. 24. Below business bat dad and butler man. Knocking out singing crime dad from Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Very nice. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, we have Caleb and Abby. That was her name. Good memory. Yeah, yeah, they can be slotted in there for Never in the Glory. And they have the power of talking to the Whisper people. Yeah. Well, being talked to by the Whisper people. Oh, fair enough. And uh, having a plethora of smooth rocks. Yep. And a locket. And two bunnies. <laughs> we'll give them the two bunnies. Could be very important. Versus 40 native horse students oh, and a lizard no. and baby oh. Unaflux. You guys did it again. Every time I leave and I come back, it's like... We've in that, fucked it up. In that episode, we literally talked about it. We're like, oh man, Chris ain't gonna like this. 40 native horse students. <sighs> this one made so much sense. This one was so nice and clean. It was gonna be a baby... It's still like a very low power uh, bracket. Yeah. It's just much like native horse students. But yeah, that's the knowing. I mean, like, I think the most powerful person in this bracket so far is Caleb because he blatantly scratched numbers into a desk. True. Oh, man. Yeah, children have powerful nails in this movie. Yeah, fuck. Forgot about that. He scratched three numbers without, like, any bleeding. Yep. And deep. Mm-hmm. Much more bleeding for uh, Lucene or whatever. 
Also, like, I guess she was hiding, trying to hide from the numbers in the basement, and then started scratching the numbers, as opposed to trying to find somewhere to write the numbers. Yep. Twas a movie. Shall we rate it? Never. Um, seems likely, though. Uh, oh, God. I'll rate this movie, uh, oh, um, I rate this movie 2809-2020, four out of, are there four of us? Four out of four people on a podcast. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I rate this movie like a handful of children out of everyone else. Ooh-hoo. I rate this movie one good half. <laughs> Um, I give this movie one uh, cage with a gun out of high beams and a bunch of smooth rocks. As always, I've been your host, Ivan. I'm Chris. I'm Connor. And I'm Tepper. And a special thanks to 8-Bit Jazz for the use of our theme song. You can find them on YouTube or follow the link in the description. Downloadable Zebras is a dedicated group of friends that make independent content. If you want to support us and ensure that we stay ad-free, go to patreon.com slash downloadablezebras. For $3 a month, you'll get bonus shows and access to the special patrons-only section of our Discord. Thanks for listening.